All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today once again after the coma with Kelly. You're alive. Only barely. You didn't die after last week's debauchery. Last week's craziness. Last week's anger. Let's just be honest. So mad. I'm not over it. Not over it. I'm sure a lot of that anger is coming out. And at the end of last week, we decided that for the first time we're going to we're going to we're going to search for for answers, bigger answers to why is it that we're here doing songs from 1985's Empire Burlesque? Why are we condemned to this reality? We wanted answers, and that's why we're here. This is a Bob Dylan podcast, Kelly. Every week we pick a song at random, except for last week, <laughs> where we knew we needed to find a certain someone. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly's heard roughly the same number of songs as the section at the north end of Providence Park, home of the Portland Timbers and oh. the birthplace of the Timbers Army, which promotes soccer in and around Portland, Oregon, where we live. Oh, can you be a Is part of the Timbers Army? Everyone in the Timbers Army, no, if you, you're a fan? No. I think so, just by like, but I mean, this is like they actually like volunteer and like they promote soccer. Oh, gotcha. Like they also promote it as like a game kids can play. Okay, and play okay, and okay, okay, okay. Need a shot of turpentine, only bring me to my knees. Just need a shot of codeine, help me to repent. All right, Kelly, this week we spent, for the very first time, like for the first time really, spent some time with Christian Bob, the final act of Bob's Christian trilogy. I think some of this stuff is pretty hyped up. I mean, Bob Dylan himself would say, shut up, shut up about it. <laughs> but this is our first real thing. I mean, we've encountered one song from here, which we will talk about. We'll just save we'll save the scorching heat check for that one. Uh, but we've listened to Lenny Bruce before, and we've listened to Men Gave Names to All the Animals. But which, not on this. No, that's on that's on um, Slow Train Coming. Slow Train Coming hmm. from 1979. So his first of in that in this foray, this trilogy. But that was even we didn't really take that one seriously. I mean, obviously the message of like a snake shows up, you know, the Garden of Eden, that kind of stuff. But like. We just did a whole thing about animals. I mean, I just remember that back in the very early days. It's like episode 23. We did uh, like Twitter animal facts, right? We had animal facts competing with one another. <laughs> See, and now we're here fucking losing our minds to songs. It was more and fun. Than having I to find say. God. I gotta say, it was not the level of stress. Yeah. I mean, I think we put the stress upon ourselves as we get better, as, as our shoulders are more burdened. Mm-hmm. Um, we carry a weight. And then the wait this week was, if you haven't gathered, Shot of Love, 1981. We listened to the entire album. So like all of our other albums, we're not going to go into super depth or anything like that. But we are going to talk about them in general and kind of go over some stuff. Before I even get into the context, and I do want to try to lay out as best as I understand the recording process for this, because it's still sort of contentious and random. What did you think overall, Kelly, especially because we normally take two weeks off for this. We obviously did a bunch of stuff for Trust Yourself, a lot of music, a lot of singing, a lot of drinking, uh, special guests, all the all the stuff. We had some time to chill and listen to this. What did you What did you feel, if anything? I mean, I listened to this pretty much exclusively, 
my life has been a nightmare. <laughs> We've already talked about it, so yes. I'll try not to keep bringing it up, but I'm not <laughs> over it. So, um, so I, I listened to this album and almost nothing else for these last mm. couple of weeks because I don't have the capacity in my brain Good or Lord. heart to do anything D- else. Just for Jesus. Right? Only for Jesus. Reserved exclusively for Jesus. I got to say, I if I didn't know that this was his Christian period or no. this is a, a Christian album. Well, D. other than like the obvious, this is Jesus. I'm talking about, I'm literally saying the words Jesus. Property of Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like think about that. The property, property of, of Jesus. Jesus. I wouldn't know. And I was trying to pinpoint what it is about popular Christian music that just makes my skin crawl. I mean, I think we've talked about it before, how it's just like, People that are super into this music probably are super, like, not great style Christians who probably hate me a lot. So there's that, like, baggage to it. The homophobia of it all. Uh, But there's also a quality to the music. And I was trying to pinpoint it. Uh, A friend, sorry about the tangent, but my friend's little sister listens to pop Christian music. So I'll see her feed on Spotify and be like, oh, god damn. (laughs) She's just like, this is her shit. Hillsong Church is, like, a big thing. Okay. They have... They 70 million listens on their top Ooh. song, okay? And it all has the same. I popped into some other, like, I went, I like, oh, I went, but they have top Christian church. Sure do, sure do. Sure popped do. into there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it all has the same quality. And I think what I've figured out what it is, it's a spirit of indoctrination through corporate fucking uh, lies. Like, it's just the forced smile yeah. of pop music, but with the evil behind it of indoctrination, but fake. Like, oh, yeah. It's just all so soulless. It's sloganeering, it's cliches, it's. It's just amazing. There's you can nothing feel the McDonald's of it all. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it, 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 it makes me sick. And I was like, yeah. oh, less than the message, it's that. Oh, yeah. Like and pop well, think music, about... a lot of pop music gets there anyway. But like, there's like there's an insidiousness behind it. Sure. Well, in a, in a way that like listening to gospel or soul and something, you know, depend again. All of this we talked about what makes something bad. That's what makes it bad. Right. The indoctrination behind it, the why is this being made behind it, is often the reason why something just inherently will not work. But you know, you listen to like gospel stuff, even if you don't understand or whatever. But it sounds it's real. Real, and it's like real people singing about real faith. And I think Bob Dylan is being legit right here when he sings these songs because he's not a fucking walking cliche factory. You can't find, you know, cause hearing this type of stuff when I was going to church with a girlfriend way back in the day, you know, I instantly, I was always like, have you guys heard Bob Dylan? Like, I don't like it. Cause I certainly didn't like it when I was 21. This stuff was, was anathema to me, but I was like, but I knew even then this stuff is fucking better than everything I'm listening to here. And I'm sure it's just gotten worse and worse, especially yeah. with Spotify and like the way that you can just get to these kids and playlists and shit like that. And like your parents have approved the playlist mm-hmm. so you can listen to these songs, but having something that genuinely would, um, would push you to think about stuff. I think Bob Dylan writes those songs, even those Christian songs. Some of these are challenging. I, I never got that feeling from a single one of these That's songs. Great. And I just was impressed by that. That's that's awesome. Me. Like if you if you really want to tell me about Jesus, <laughs> you got to find another way, Hillsong Church. Lenny Bruce, baby, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about Lenny. That's right. Take a take a fucking comedian who hated organized religion and oh! and make him akin to Jesus. Then we're talking. Now I'm converted. Let's go. Oh my I mean, uh, we can get into like the the vin, um, the vineyard, the Vin Hill, whatever the fuck. I think it's the vineyard. Um, fellowship 
whatever Bob Dylan's in, he's in one of these type Probably of specific church. born again church okay. things oh, okay. that a bunch of other people are in as well. So that's something to get into later. But I mean, it, I don't think it's as important here because I think he's kind of at the tail end of this sort of. Is this moment. the last one? This so is this the- is the last one, and and Lenny Bruce is one of the last song. I mean, we'll, let, let's just get into it. So let's let's talk about the context for this. So Bob Dylan, a lot of this period is sort of people don't like to talk about it because it's not um, because it's Christian music. It, it was reviled at the time by a lot of people, and it was celebrated by other people who didn't really like Bob Dylan mm-hmm. but love Christian music. So they're like, yeah, well, we want Bob Dylan well, yeah, on our of side, course, of course. Man, and then it's like, oh my god, now we have our own fucking like. <laughs> great songwriter like we hated him before maybe but we love him now because he sings all about jesus and better than i'm sure anybody was doing at the time but this was also a rich vein for bob dylan writing songs like this is he wrote constantly so it's really hard for this because he would play songs live for the first time like some of these songs premiered as live songs he would just play them while promoting you know his previous album saved and um, slow train coming so those two um as he would go on tour for them in 79, 80, and then in 81, he would just keep playing these songs. So he was playing a lot of gospel songs. He was playing a lot of, he was doing covers of, of old religious songs and also playing new songs. But he was also writing classic songs. I don't know what on here, except for probably Every Grain of Sand and, and Groom Still Waiting at the Altar. I don't know what's going to like withstand the test of time. I'm mm-hmm. sure those two will. Um, but during this time, he also wrote genuine classics, uh, Caribbean Wind. Angelina that got nixed. And so this begins his penchant for taking great songs. Time will pass a little bit and he'll just either forget about them, think that they don't fit on a record or do something to, you know, like a song like trouble. Trouble is so boring, right? Why not have something better? But maybe it's important to have trouble on there. Maybe it's important to slow down the record before you get to, Ever going to stand. I don't know how these people think about this. Um, but Shout of Love was released in 1981, August 10th, 1981. Um, and it's definitely more poppy. It's not a revival record like Saved. So I'm, I'm excited to listen to that because I wonder if you'll actually feel that more. Because you have more of the backup singers, um, definitely more of a judgmental Bob Dylan. And there's a little bit of judginess here but on see, those records. Even that, I feel like I'm, You're I'm okay really optimistic that. because it's like there's passion there, right? There's like, passion, yeah. He's regardless of how long it lasted, he's convicted in his faith mm-hmm. in this moment. So it's like, that's always cool. To, but when you're bringing fireman, not like literal fire and brimstone, I guess is yeah. not always the coolest, but like if you, if there's something there, it comes through. It does come through. And all that other shit is so vapid and oh, vacuous sure. and fucking awful. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, it's so yeah, I'm, I'm not, I was really nervous about listening to those records. And right. I, now I'm like, hey, maybe it won't be so bad. Yeah. It could be trash, but, We'll see. And, and that's why the volume 13 of the bootleg series, you know, sort of looking at this whole period over, you know, eight discs on the del- Is deluxe it like edition. Is it album? Yeah, it's no, well, it's not the albums. It's all outtakes and rehearsals. And, but from those, from those period, periods, yeah. from so from 79 to 81, all of that. And so many great cuts from, you know, classic songs, Yonder Comes In, uh, Making a Liar Out of Me, a lot of songs that people, unless you were a crazy bootlegger, you hadn't heard before. And like, they're genuinely great songs. And it's like, fuck. Bob. But for the most part, a lot of the songs that Bob Dylan was working on did make it on. It's just that some of the stuff in between the tour ending and him starting to record Shot of Love, he had this little period where he played a lot of those songs, Caribbean Wind and Angelina, that just kind of, he did just, it was a little too early in the process, unfortunately. And those things get dropped. And then later on, you're like, oh my God. So how was this recorded? So he recorded a couple things in the fall of 1980 and March of 1981. So it's important to note that he has a studio called Rundown Studios. 
um, where he basically just rehearses. So he, back in the day, you would sign in, you would write down, the, the producer would write down the songs. So we have a pretty fairly accurate record of like what Bob Dylan's playing every day. We've lost that today. We there's no way to keep up. You can just play a song on a computer. No, but I mean, have you been writing down all of your takes for Trust Yourself? Have you noted all of your? You know, that's what I mean. Nobody's noting our time. We're not recording them and saving them or storing them or anything. We're not under contract to do so. So today it's like impossible to know this. But back then he was actually, in, as the tours ended, he would come home and he would play. So like we would get. Uh, a really ver- early version of Every Grain of Sand, which you, which you can listen to on the Bootleg Series Volume 1 through 3. You get the early Caribbean wind that you can hear on the Bootleg Series Volume 13. Um, October 1st, 1980, you get Yonder Comes Sin. So he's like working through some stuff. Um, and then you get the first like really big one shot of love, which makes it onto the album and sort of becomes like a lot of other songs, like the driving thing, like Shot of Love. That's what the album's going to be called. This is what we're doing. And sort of going from um, sort of just a maybe wanting to get away from religion back to religion. So Bob sort of went away and then kind of came back harder than ever. So then he goes to um, in between the rundown studios and before he goes to Clover Studio in L.A., which is where he cut, cuts most of the album, there's this interim break of like three weeks that has just come to light. For a lot of times, for, for, for so long now, people have been, thought he took a break, thought he wasn't making music, thought he was just waiting around to record. But it turns out that he actually went to uh, other studios, Cream Studio and United Western Studio on the first and second especially. But he did have a little, compil- what he called compilation number two, a block of just a bunch of random songs, random ideas. I think people um, reading Clinton Halen's account of this, People thought he was just like recording into a microphone, right? Just like ideas, like here's an idea. And then kind of what he would do back in the 60s where he just like think of something and fucking write it down. And like people thought that that maybe that's how he was writing these songs again. But I think it's his point is it's more deliberate than that. He had a lot of ideas and we think that he didn't record it because we didn't know about Cream Studio and United Western Studio for so long. But none of that stuff made it to any records. He, he, he did, you know, rehearse. Uh, Caribbean Wind, I think, and Groom's Still Waiting at the Altar. Like, he definitely played some songs that were going to be songs, but we don't have any record of them because they're, we just know about it after the fact. Uh, but then he goes to Clover Studio from April 23rd to May 15th. So he's there in 1981. Uh, he's working with Chuck Plotkin, who worked with Bruce Springsteen, uh, to put this album to life. So he started on April 23rd. April 23rd, he recorded a song uh, a song that's not on the album, You Changed My Life. You can listen to that on the Bootleg Series Volume 1 through 3. We will listen to that eventually. Uh, and then we get a, on April 24th, we get a outtake version of Dead Man, Dead Man. It's like seven minutes long. Uh, just as reggae-ish, but definitely a little bit different. Longer, which I think makes it better. I think it should be like a long plotting song, and it, it, it is in that. April 27th, we get Need a Woman which we will also listen to at some point. That's on the Bootleg Series Volume 1 through 3. April 30th, he cuts Caribbean Wind, which shows up on Biograph, which we will definitely listen to as well. And then on May 1st is when he starts really recording the album. We get Water Down Love and Property of Jesus are the first two that are recorded that are on the album. And we also get the outtake of Groom Still Waiting at the Altar on Volume 13. Uh, the Bootleg Series, Volume 13. And then sometime in early May, we get Shot of Love recorded again, Every Grain of Sand that makes it on the album, and another version of The Groom Still Waiting at the Altar. That was actually not officially released on the album. Uh, it was a B-side to Heart of Mine, mm. and people loved it so much that eventually when the CDs were being produced, 
they popped it on. So it wasn't on like the LP release. Wasn't on the LP release. Uh, but then on on May twelfth, um, we get instead of Bob saying, "Oh yeah, we've got all the songs," he's like, "Now nah, I want to re-record a couple." So then we get the re-recorded versions of Dead Man, Dead Man, Lenny Bruce, Trouble, and in in the summertime. And then the next day, he's like, "I want to do Heart of Mine again," and he does Heart of Mine again because we got Ringo Starr in the studio. We got Ron Wood from the Rolling Stones, so we're gonna play that. Uh, and Clinton Halen's like. You fool. You already had it. You're, you like this version. I do. Like but he's it. like, this is some shambly ass bullshit. So <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get into that in a moment. And then eventually it got to the mixing and overdubbing May 16th to June 16th. June 16th was when you could say the album was finished. Uh, the mixing process apparently was tense between Plotkin and Dylan because they had different ideas about how it should sound. Uh, Jim Keltner, who played on drums, uh, he said, quote, Chuck wanted to get a nice mix at the end of each song. but Bob wouldn't have any of the nice mixes. Most everything you hear on Shot of Love turns out to be the monitor mixes. So he didn't want to even go any further than that. So Blotkin kept working on the mixing and overdubs um, of the nine songs, not including Shot of Love, which was produced, quote unquote, by uh, a guy named Bumps Blackwell, who was known for working with Little Richard. He just showed up at the Rundown Studios one day. They recorded it. It made it onto the album. I, honest to God, I'm like that's why I'm so confused by a lot of this stuff. Uh, but then the album was completed on June seventh, and uh, but yet overdubbing continued un- until June sixteenth, and then in August the album was released, which I think is a crazy turnaround time. You know, June sixteenth, August tenth is when it came out, so that was a month and a half. That's pretty quick. Now I know bands that have finished an album, like on Instagram, they're like album five done, and then you don't see it for ten months. Yeah. So I don't know if today maybe we just wait for a better time to like splash. I don't know, maybe. But I don't know. Bob's just like, maybe that's just the period too. Just like, get it out, get it out. I just need it out of my brain. Uh, Because he does disappear after this. He sort of takes a break. Uh, We don't get anything till Infidels in 1983. So Maybe bands now, they or I mean, even then, maybe it depends on the person, but I could see wanting to wait for your release until you're ready to tour. Tour, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think it really depends on who, what type of band you are. Yeah. Yeah. So wait for a tour, wait till you're ready to go. And now with... You know, coronavirus, you're like, but Bob's like, fuck it. Well, it's been three months. Time to put another album. I'm still on tour. I'll just never not be on tour. Well, never. Well, he can't be. It's never ending. Of course he's on tour. He has to play through the the downfall of the world, which he speaks (laughs) a lot about on this album. So let's let's talk about Shot of Love. Let's go song by song. So we're going to do this a little different. We're not going to go track listing song by song. I'm going to take Clinton Halen's. Um, account from Still on the Road where he talks about he tries to organize it by when they were written and you can see it from the recording sessions themselves like when they were first recorded and stuff so I'm going to take his um, so we're going to start with Property of Jesus we're going to end with Lenny Bruce but there's only 10 songs so it's not going to be too crazy out of order Uh, and if you're looking for a specific song or want to listen to them in order awkwardly um, as jokes start here and then maybe make their way through, you can just skip around this is a (laughs) plug who would do that? this is a plug and play baby do whatever you want if you want to make yourself crazy, do that. So Michael Gray, Bob Dylan Encyclopedia, he sums up this album uh, with a couple of great, uh, let's call them digs. Uh, he says, quote, this is a ramshackle collection of generally second-rate tracks with Dylan's, with Dylan's voice often petulant and querulous, the music tired, and the production thin. It excludes some of the best songs cut at the most relevant sessions, a snatching of mediocrity from the jaws of distinction that Dylan was to manage again and again with his 1980s albums. Even the cover as careless and tawdry as was saved slow train coming and bob dylan at budokan before it before we get to song by song the players bob dylan of course steve ripley on guitar fred tackett on guitar uh danny korchmer on guitar steve douglas on sax uh benmont tench on keyboards 
Carl Pickard on piano, Tim Drummond on bass, and Jim Keltner on drums. And then, of course, we have the backup singers, and I'll go into them as we go. Go ahead and talk about him Because he makes you doubt Because he has denied himself The things that you can't live without Laugh at him behind his back Just like the others do Remind him of what he used to be When he comes walking through He's the property of Jesus We send him to the bar Okay, starting with the very first song that was um, written, if you will, if we're following Clinton Halen, uh, we're going to start with Property of Jesus, track number three on Shot of Love, but our track number one on our alternate Shot of Love. Uh, what what do you think about this song? Uh, I like it. <laughs> it's it's fine. It it feels very dad rocky to me. Was this the, were you because looking at the title itself? It can be like, oh no, we're in for it now. Yeah, and it didn't. It, if all of them, if any of them were to hit that way, you yeah. think it would be this way. <laughs> Jesus is right there in the title. Right there in the title. But no, it didn't. I, and I, I like the sarcastic, like, oh, you think you're so cool? You think it's so cool making fun of the, the believers? You're just a hater. You're just a hater. I do love that. <laughs> I love that. I that's why I'm surprised that this is not like a fucking like. Why don't more Christian people want to sing the song? It's just. It would be so cool to feel so cool, right? It'd be yeah. like, I'm so much better. Bob gets it. Mm-hmm. I'm better than everyone else. I mean, it is kind of, it's pretty brutal. You take your heart to stone. Hope it yeah. keeps you warm at night. I got Jesus to Resent keep you warm. Resent him to the bone. Exactly. Like, it, it's crazy. Yeah. No, I unironically love this song. I think it's a fucking banger. And uh, I can't wait to really talk about it. Clinton Halen said that the Clover production, which is the one after Rundown, uh, provided to be uh, sorry proved to be one of the musical highlights of the album with great percussive sound girl singers hopped up on the lord and dylan doing his very best fourth street vocal which girl he's singers. he's referring to um positively fourth street which is kind of true he's got he's snarling he's kind of like he's really taking on the persona of like i'm better you know i'm better than you you say you've lost your faith but that's not where it's at have no faith to lose and you know it you have a heart of stone you think you're bad but i'm mocking you yeah i'm mocking your heart of stone. you can't make fun of me yeah, for I know. Liking jesus i'm making fun of you for not liking jesus <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i just like i think that there's a lot of really great lines in this one um and it's just like i think that bob dylan is towing a fine line And I do think that at first I was like, he's being playful with it, but I don't fully think he is. I think that he maybe realizes it later that some of the shit is incredibly naive. Like some of these lines are really naive when he says, I don't increase my worth at other people's expense like you do. Coronavirus aside, like there's televangelists fucking hopping up silver solutions. And one guy's like, put fucking water on his hand and is like, touch your screen and I'll heal you. Like... Talk about don't increase your wealth at someone else's oh, yeah. expense. So I think that that it's it's crazy and it's naive. It definitely makes you feel better. And like and maybe that's the idea of like a 
in his head, I don't know what a perfect Christian is, but like somebody who doesn't do those things, who doesn't want to be somebody like that, that doesn't fucking take advantage of other people or whatever. But I think it's silly just to think that because you believe in Jesus, you don't do those things. That's a lie because people do do those things. And also like we talked about it with trust yourself, but that line of in, in that song where he's like, um, be a slave to what somebody else believes. That's the yeah. attitude of this song too. Like, you are an idiot for thinking the things that you think. It's like, bro, you're you're sucked in too. You just have a name for it. Your stamp is Christianity. Ours is consumerism. Whatever. You're you're not. That's a naive that to think that you're not. You're entrenched in something. You're Absolutely. already beholden to something beyond yourself. Totally. And I think of a song called Foot of Pride, which he records after this for the Infidel session, where contrast those things I just said with him saying. They kill babies in the crib and say only the good die young. They don't believe in mercy. Judgment on them is something that you'll never see. And he's not talking about secular people. He's talking about Christians. So I think Bob Dylan, if he is supremely naive in this song, and I think Foot of Pride is the moment when he's like, oh my God, like I gave probably them a ton of money. I gave them obviously my likeness, my time. I, I put all of this out there. I maybe ruined my career for what? I mean, you know? that's an amazing arc. If we have to go through these couple of years with, you know. To get foot of bride. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. I mean, not that, even that song, but the idea of that, yeah, for him to that. actually be able to look at it objectively after I've come through the other side. Because so many people don't. They just stay in so they don't have to see that portion of it, that it's all money. It's all greed and corruption and, and terrible, terrible shit, abuse. Like, mm-hmm. to be, for him to be able to take himself out. And, yeah. Like, oh, shit. It's yeah, great. and like, and he doesn't. It doesn't even foot of pride doesn't end with like him even renouncing it, but basically almost coming back around to be like, remember when I was saying those things about the end times and like me believing this type of stuff? I got it got really far away from that with with all of the commercial stuff that I was doing that I pretend that we don't do, but it really is that stuff sickens religion. But I want to get back to just believing in what I believe and just have it be that, which I think is where Bob Dylan is now. Like he still sings songs about Armageddon. There's still religious imagery and there always has been, but it's just not a focus Um, because the end of this song, the end of property of Jesus, you can laugh at salvation. You can play Olympic games, uh, which is funny, objectively funny. Um, You think that when you think that when you rest at last, you'll go back to from where you came, but you've picked up quite a story and you've changed since the womb. What happened to the real you? You've been captured, but by whom? And contrast that to the end of Foot of Pride when he says, Ain't nothing left here, partner. Just the dust of a plague that has left a strong town afraid. From now on, this will be where you're from. Let the dead bury the dead, your time will come. I think that's fucking rad. Oh, I love Foot of Pride so much. I'm so happy. Never get to talk about it. And seriously, like I said, Mount Rushmore of of songs for him. Oh, my God. Uh, so Dylan had a lot of feelings. Uh, I, I've introduced before the Pepper Scale, the famous Pepper Scale, uh, and She's Your Lover Now. I went through the the, the series of grief with um, Empire Burlesque. Empire Burlesque. Um, so now I've got a couple of things for every song here. I've got I've got a Dylan Feels section. Uh, so Bob Dylan spoke with Kurt Loder in 1984, MTV's Kurt Loder. Mm-hmm. This is pre-MTV. Um, he asked him in 1984 in, in the interview with Rolling Stone, he said, are your best friends mostly musicians? Bob said, my best friends? Jeez, let me try to think of one. 
Kurt, there must be a few. Bob, best friends. Jesus, I mean, that's Kurt. You've got to have a best friend. Bob, whew, boy, there's a question that'll really make you think. Best friend. Jesus, I think I'd go into a deep, dark depression if I were to think about who's my best friend. Wow. I found a website that uh, said that Jesus went through 10 emotions through the Bible, through the New Testament. And so I took those 10 emotions and I kind of like my grief scale, I applied them to the songs. Great. So this is uh, the real life emotions of Jesus uh, for property of Jesus. You think he would be elated. But no, my feeling is agony um, at the impending suffering that's to come. Wow. That's my that's where property I stand. Jesus. Property of Jesus. I would say off the dome, we could reserve that for Lenny Bruce. Uh, we could, but uh, it gets better. Jesus felt a lot in the New Testament. So we're going to Only 10 fine. times. Only 10 times. Only 10 times. Don't worry. <laughs> 10 easily digestible emotions that we completely understand. And our lives are just like going, being led to the cross to be crucified. But no, right now I'm feeling agony at the impending suffering. Okay. Noted. Next up is Every Grain of Sand, track 10. Uh, the closer of the album, but this would be the next song that Bob Dylan wrote, if we're to believe Clinton Halen. Uh, what are your thoughts on Every Grain of Sand? That's the one with the tremolo guitar that, like, mm, really yeah. soft, which I did like. The song is a huge pass for me. It's super yeah. long. I don't enjoy it. It's it's, it's like cool. a piano ballad. I mean, it's yeah. what it is. I mean, but I did get that 50s feel. And I was trying to kind of find a through line musically through the album. I mean, it's definitely blues rock elements in almost all the songs. Yeah. But um, this one, yeah, it's just fucking boring not for me yeah i think a lot of people see this as um as one of those songs i think i said this to you earlier that have been around forever like people just assume that this is like singing some ancient song like the way it has that vibe to it just when he's bringing the every grain of sand thing like these are all like truisms that we've heard in our lives and just brings them all together and in a really beautiful way um yeah this the takes on all of these are really great the piano is really great i think it's a mood thing for me it's like i just want to you either want to feel it or you don't want to feel it. Uh, when Bruce Springsteen was inducted into the, sorry, when Bruce Springsteen inducted Bob Dylan into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he specifically cited Every Grain of Sand as wow. an example of one of his best works. And I, I think it's, I think it's true. I think it's a genius work, especially because he said that he wrote it really fast. Um, That's that Battlestar Galactica. The songs just have always existed. Just they always, just come to me. Uh, so in uh, Clint, Clinton Halen's book, um, he cites an interview with Bill Flanagan from 1985. So probably in the midst of Empire Burlesque fever in America. <laughs> uh, he had some words to, to live by. He said, quote, Bob Dylan said, quote, sometimes you'll write a song and you'll just stick with it and get it done. You'll feel that it's not coming from any place, but it's for you to do. You're in an area where there isn't anybody there and never was. So you just have to... Not try to go one way or the other. Just stay balanced and finish it. Every Grain of Sand is a song like that. There's no footnotes around. There's no precedent for it. All you know is that it's a mood piece. And you try to hold on to the mood and finish. Or you just get to the place where you can let it go. Don't have the inclination To look back on any mistake Like can I now behold this chain of evil The fury of the moment I can see the master's hand In every leaf that trembles In every grain of sand This is like, this is Trust Yourself Advice from Bob Dylan a little late for you. 
it's a mood. I mean, I love that. It's a mood piece. It's just something. This is a feeling that I'm feeling. And I think all of the Every Grain of Sands have the mood. Yeah. So I, you feel the mood or don't, but like it, they're all In my limited uh, scope as a creator, I definitely understand that. Where you're like, I just need to get this out of my brain so I can move on with my life. Yes. And now Trust Yourself is gone. I mean, maybe not forever. The scars. The scars. Well, once you just amass like a Bob Dylan level of of output, yeah, you're, it's not even gonna matter. That's true. Just cram more shit in there. Remember when I thought I would never get over "Baby Stop Crying"? Oh, you said, you like even... years ago now. <laughs> Michael Gray in Bob Dylan Encyclopedia, when talking about this, he said, um, talking about the different takes, as I noted before. So if you're curious about all the takes, you can find that uh, on our website, on our show notes. I'll label out exactly when these things are going down, just so you can maybe try to understand. Well, Michael Gray notes that. Um, on April 29th, if his first, if he took this in one take, like what we're listening to is him just sitting down for one take. Um, Michael Gray notes that he, quote, supposedly began the day's work by cutting his this vocally demanding, musically challenging song in one take. If the log is accurate, if this is the first take um, is the one that we hear on Shot of Love, it only enhances one's appreciation for another extraordinary moment in the studio, fully equal to the June 16th, like a Rolling Stone or the February 66 Visions of Johanna. I don't, I don't know about that, but pretty extraordinary, especially if it is true, which I doubt it's true. Um, lots of praise for this. Um, we'll talk about it when we get to it in the end. Uh, how am I feeling now with my real emotions of Jesus? Forgiveness. Oh, well, in the face nice. of betrayal. Oh, we ca- it kind of just said it and I, it went right over my head, but um, somebody was critiquing the, ar- the album art? Yeah. I love the album art. It's like fucking pop art. It's great. Yeah. I, again, I don't know. That's Michael Gray yeah. calling what it. What the fuck, tantric. dude? Calm down. It's not, not only that, but I think that part doesn't really hold up because um, when Bob Dylan started his Instagram, he was posting a lot because it was right during the volume 13. So he's posting a lot of stuff from that era. And he had all these really cool, um, like, um, before the like art was finalized, like the art before it had been like approved oh, by Columbia, the concept art and stuff for shot of love. And it's fucking cool. Like it was basically what it was in the end, but yeah, it was like different sort of versions of it. And then uh, they showed a bunch of different versions from all over the world, you know, Japanese text on it, <laughs> uh, Portuguese, Spanish, whatever. And it's so cool. Just like the subtle differences. Like this person didn't just like fart out this thing. It was yeah. like a clearly thought out concept. So I yeah I think any sort of critique on on that kind of stuff doesn't hold up over time because I think it works perfectly I think this album is pretty light and it's a light thing I don't know like stop <laughs> in between uh, track number two every grain of sand and what we're going to talk about the groom still waiting at the altar he recorded one of my favorite songs Caribbean Wind so hopefully I mean we'll get that someday. Hopefully I will be on a Caribbean beach. Maybe we'll both be on a Caribbean beach Hmm. doing a live show. That'd be cool. Let's make it happen, people. (laughs) So track number six, officially now track number six on on Shot of Love, but was not originally even included on it, is the groom is still waiting. The groom's still waiting at the altar. My first thought was, hey, kids, do you like blues rock? True. Oh, the ZZ top of it all. Not for me. It's fine. Did you... Lots Did you words. know that there were words? Yeah. Lots of words. Okay. Well, look, I didn't focus on the lyrics, okay? that You're right. We're going to get to it at some point. Not a big deal. But I do think that, in my opinion, this is a great song. And it not being on Shot of Love is like, of course it wouldn't be on. Bob would obviously be like, because this was um, a, a B-side to Heart of Mine, which is a pretty good combo of the two. That's a great single if I went out to the store. Yeah. Two two good songs. Um, but yeah, I really I like this song. I think it's ambitious. Yeah. 
I wanted to know more about that. So I'm not going to go into any crazy detail, but I did find out a little bit of stuff about the bride of Christ, right? So that's what it is. So the groom's still waiting at the altar. If a groom is at the altar, presumably there is a bride, right? Sure. Okay. So it's implied in Christian theology. Again, I'm no theologian, so I'm going to fuck all this up for but from what my little brain can comprehend. Um, Jesus is the bridegroom of, in in this world, the church. The church, it, I've already, see, it's, it makes no sense. No, I mean, I get it. Yeah, okay. So the, the church. But there are other interpretations of it as well. There is a bride that shows up in Revelation. So I think that's what Bob Dylan is hearkening to. The groom is waiting at the altar. Jesus is waiting at the altar for the bride. The bride, which is bringing the apocalypse, the seven angels and seven plagues, is is coming. So in John chapter 3, verse 29, uh, we talk about the bride of Christ. He says, um, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Thus my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. The bridegroom shows up in Revelation chapter 21, uh, and John and I, John, this is in John, obviously, I, John, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had seven vials of seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried away, he carried me away in spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. There's also the uh, the bridal theology where people obviously the church thinks that it's what is being talked about, right? So it's sort of like if you want to commune with Jesus in this sort of way, we are how to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm the bride bride of Jesus is the church, that's what I understand it to, to mean. But you can also see it as communion uh like you're like literally married to Jesus. There are there have been cults like in the 1960s there was a uh, a cult called the Family International that took this to fruition. All of the members of both sexes um, were encouraged to masturbate while visualizing themselves oh. as women having sex with Jesus. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I heard about that cult before. Yeah, yeah, so that's from the 60s. I'm sure that's there's maybe little. That's obviously a fringe shit that's probably wrapped up in a lot of other gross culty shit. Oh, sure. But wow. But I think that, uh, yeah, I think that in this theory that Jesus is just waiting at the altar essentially for the end of the world. If everything's about the end times, which I think it is, then I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. I think this whole bridal theology stuff is really gross and I don't like it at all. <laughs> uh, but I do think it's interesting just like the bride being like coming with the end times, like coming in revelations. That's pretty interesting, especially if we believe that Dylan, that we're there. Mm, what know. a novel concept, especially for the Bible to be like, Oh, a woman's around. She's going to end the world. Well, I don't, I think she's just coming with it. Mm, I, yeah. I think that if the woman was ending the world, Women would not be allowed to speak or do well. I mean, we tried. We tried. I don't think that that's it. But I wouldn't be shocked if some people are like, it needs to be like that. Mm -hmm. But they want the end times to come. So they want women to be free so that they can be the bride and fucking bring down the end of the world. It's like a, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's like if you want it to happen, you got to ease up a bit. Real life emotion of Jesus, I guess. I'm frustrated. Frustration. But slow learners Wait. and their lack of faith. Yeah. Frustrated. And bored. Hate it. In between this time, he also recorded Yonder Comes Sin and Let's Keep It Between Us. So those are two other big songs 
um, that we're never going to get to hear or talk about or anything. I mean, maybe we will, but you know, it just feels so ancient at this point. Shot of love, Kelly. I need. I need. Shot of love. See, so yeah, listen to that. Yeah, um, this is uh, track one. Obviously, is the name of the album. This uh, was is number four in our track listing uh, in terms of the orders that they were written. Uh, this song is something of a banger. Um, <laughs> one might say. <laughs> what What are your um, What are your thoughts on this? I think that like if there's a tone. It's probably set for this one. I would imagine for the sequencing, it made sense for this one. Not only because it's the name of the album, but like we got the blues rock, we got the gospel yeah. vibe to it. It It's like this is Christian contemporary rock feels. But again, without the grossness. Even this oh, yeah. doesn't give me the yuckiness. Uh, Did, does this song feel different to you than any of the rest of them? Because it, this was produced by by the, the other guy. It feels really similar to the one we were just talking about. Grim Waiting on the Altar. They all yeah. have like a blues rock okay. gospel yeah. vibe. Not all of them, though. My favorite ones don't, don't really have that. Dead Man, Dead Man, and, in the um, Summertime. Heart of Mine. Heart of, like, mine. Yeah. Heart of mine, sure. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like it. I, again, didn't try to delve into the lyrics, but yeah. the, all the things, because I, I did really want to list out all the things that he doesn't need a shot of. <laughs> well, uh, we will get there. Yes. Uh, Turpentine was Turpentine. the one, like I said, that really, st- who, whoever. Uh, but this one sounds recording it does sound different okay on the mix it's i think it's reverb but also something it's really thin oh. i had like my nice headphones on and i was yeah. like man this sounds bad like this is so this would be the the, the one that was recorded with the black Bl- bucks bucky chapman what's his name uh blum blackstone uh the bump B- with bumps blackwell yeah so this this is a different production yeah. altogether which i don't think you can really hear without doing that um, but no, but I, did, I think I about it, it. I'm like hmm. all the many times I listened to it at work with like my one ear bed situation. I didn't notice it. Yeah. But today when I like really sat down and was trying to hear with the good, I was like, yeah, this is like thin and airy and not great. Yeah. But not, not the song, not the music, just the way it was recorded. sounds strange, strange, but otherwise this is a thumbs up for you. Except for, yeah. Oh yeah. Other things that, what the fuck? Uh, my father raped his wife. What? Oh yeah. What is it? What? Well, I see. That's the thing. I, I think Clinton Halen has a has a dig in his book about when when he goes on these long tangents about having to basically source out the fucking uh, religious aspects. He usually follows it up with like, "Well, great, I had to fucking research all this fucking religious stuff again." Because what it comes down to is either Bob Dylan's writing a maybe the song's a little bit, um, you know, weak, yeah, you know, watered down love or something like that, but it doesn't require you to pull out a Bible to fucking source out what he's trying to say. It's all just a contained reference factory, which is hard because then you're like, what? I don't I can't sing that Bob. I can't sing about (laughs) raping my wife or whatever. Like it's not okay. And even at church, man, they wouldn't understand because my, my, my friends, Christian songs, they don't talk about that. They sure don't. They don't, they just gloss over it all. Points to him to be like, this shit happens in this fucking book, guys. Like, and then to be like, I love it anyways, is another step. But the, just pointing it out, I don't know. He definitely yeah. takes it differently than every other pop Christian anything I've listened sure. to. Yeah, Bob Dylan in July 1983 with Martin Keller of uh, NME, the New Musical Express or whatever, the, in Britain. He said, quote, the purpose of music is to elevate and inspire the spirit. To those who care about where Bob Dylan is at, they should listen to Shot of Love. It's my most perfect song. It defines where I am spiritually, musically, romantically, and whatever else. It shows where my sympathies lie. It's all there in that one song. Wow. He said that in 1983. Emotionally, where am I now? Empathy for the pain of others. That's nice. 
I'm in a good spot. This song is okay. I can feel empathy because I'm not currently in complete sorrow. I think it's important. That's right. That's self care. You have to, in order to take care of other people, you have to take care of yourself. I feel like um, this song helps me not be so miserable with some of the other output that we've talked about or what's to come. Mm -hmm. I can look down the road and see Lenny Bruce and it doesn't stress me out. And I'm like, okay, I have empathy right now for all the others that also see Lenny Bruce coming up. (laughs) And we're all together, you and I and the listener. We're in this together. In between uh, Shot of Love and the next song, your favorite, Heart of Mine, he recorded a couple songs we will listen to. Um, you Changed My Life, which is not that great, but Angelina, which is a bona fide classic. So we will absolutely talk on those two. But let's hit the midway point, Kelly. Heart of Mine. Yeah. Track number two. A um, lot of known recordings for this. And I haven't talked about this yet, but I, I think it behooves me to mention all of it. These songs have been played a lot. Bob Dylan has played all of these songs a bunch of times. So before I forget, um, he's played every grain of sand 185 times. Uh, Groom's still waiting at the altar only five times. He played Shot of Love 76 times total, and he's played Heart of Mine 46 times total. He's played at least one time every song on his entire Christian period, including stuff that he recorded but never that was slated to make it on an album, like, you know, a real attempt, like You Changed My Life, Angelina, things that have real recordings on it. He played all of those live. He played every song live except for one property of jesus the only song of all of the christian music he never played it live weird disappointing and that's like the one song built to be live in my opinion well yeah wild that he just never never did it weird hate it heart of mine anyways kelly heart of mine that's my favorite song on the album easy i mean it's the quality of his voice and the music, it sounds like a talking head song. He sounds just like David Byrne at parts. It's so strange. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's probably just because the music's making me feel that already. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I can hear the David Byrne coming through. But just the, the it's really casual. It's like he's barely looking or talking into the mic. He's just like, huh, uh-huh, over here. I mean, he probably is. Clint Halen lamented the choice and said, this is a half-assed, ill-conceived rehearsal version of a last-minute add-on session with his buddies Ringo Starr and Ron Wood sitting in over the altogether more engaging, pop-friendly version from 1981. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that they all kind of sound the same regardless. Um, but it is a weird song, and it's, it's kind of weirdly jaunty. It's yeah, that's like what a, I'm saying. Like, it's, it's got a lot of movement. It's really upbeat and fun, and like even the guitar is like a cool, muted like staccato. Just like, yeah. Oh, that's probably the Ron Wood on there, you know, just coming in and playing. Uh, what I what I think is kind of, I, I, it has to be said, uh, Ringo doesn't get a lot of love for being a Beatle. You know, he's a Beatle, but people like to punch on him, right? Oh, he's definitely the, like, punchy bag of the Right, so sure. it's like, we have these big moments in Beatles history, too, where it's like, oh, those drums are awesome. And then there's the story of, oh, no, that's Paul. He took over the drums for Ringo. Is that true? Oh, yeah, there's, ton- there's tons of <laughs> Instances of that. So this is humiliating for, for Ringo as well. So Fred Tackett, the guitarist, he said, quote, Chuck, the producer, uh, Plotkin, the producer, actually was behind Ringo Starr's drum set and he was playing the drums with Ringo standing over by me by the wall. Um, and he couldn't believe that 
Chuck was playing because he's a terrible drummer, but he was like crazy that day. Ringo's playing the tambourine. That's why it says that he's on percussion. So you have Ringo Starr in the studio and he's not playing drums. He's playing the tambourine. That's incredible. That's That's humiliating. Poor Ringo. Damn Ringo. God damn. And if he did get on drums, I mean, that might be fucked up. That might be a lie. Maybe Fred Tackett hates Ringo Starr, but like, because it does seem crazy to me that he wouldn't be on drums, right? Right. I don't know, dude. He's definitely striking me as like a Jerry Larry Gergich character Ringo Starr where it's like damn you feel bad for the dude but damn dude like <laughs> right. come on try harder Fart do out. better Ringo <laughs> or he just like doesn't ever put himself out there right he's just like oh yeah he's on my I'll just let him play drums it's fine I'll just stand here or it's like totally misconstrued like he just showed up with Ron Wood and he's like I don't want to play I don't want to oh, be yeah, part maybe. of it but it's like okay Bob I'll fucking give me a credit please <laughs> I would like one credit yeah so he's credited with percussion so and then later Bob Dylan said that he chose wrong he said uh, talking about this song specifically said it's not as good as the other versions so Whatever. I like this version a lot yeah I mean well we'll, we'll, we'll hear the other ones yeah. we'll, well you can eat your words later that's fine or yeah, not sure. number uh, one track on the album wow wow Bob Dylan said to Dave Herman in July of 1981, so around the time of this, he said, quote, our hearts are not good. If your heart, if your heart's not good, what good does beauty do that comes through your eyes going down to your heart, which isn't good anyway? I spent a lot of time dealing with man-made beauty. (laughs) I spent a lot of time dealing with man-made beauty. So that's sometimes the beauty of God's world has evaded me. Have you, there's a, there's an episode of Friends, sorry for the reference, but where uh, Joey is, he's presiding over Monica and Chandler's wedding, and he's like, okay, so this is my, my speech or whatever. He's like, love is about giving and receiving and having and giving oh, and will. loving and receiving. <laughs> and like that, that was just like beauty and eyes that you behold with your beautiful eyes, that the beauty that your eyes create. <laughs> Well, remember this moment because we were going to probably be talking about that moment again in another second. Real life emotions for. Oh, did I say that I like this song? Yeah, this song is fine. I might put this on my 80s playlist just because it just. It is quite 80s. I mean, it's got a lot of 80s people on it, too. It's just very talking heads to me for some reason. I can't shake it. Well, see, I think Bob would probably be like, yes, I I did do something right. I did do something right. Uh, My real life emotion of Jesus right now. Joy. I know. It is joyful. Yeah. Uh, but he, he has joy for pleasing his father. God. <laughs> you know. Um, that's his. Yeah. That's, Sorry. When he said pleasing, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, I know. Uh, track, our track number six, but track number eight on the record, In the Summertime. Bob Dylan said to Bill Flanagan in 2009, he said, quote, I love those old piano ballads. In my hometown, you would sometimes hear parlor tunes coming out of doorways and open windows. I actually tried to conjure that up once, that feeling up once in a song called In the Summertime. Which I kind of like. And it's kind of true. That yeah. does have a different vibe, a different... It kind of has the same heart of mind in my head, which makes sense that they're back-to-back, right? This is the order that they were made and recorded. Um, kind of has like a kind of distant piano. It's like kind of just off in the world, doing its own thing over here, and then you have a song going. I was in your presence for an hour or so. Or was it a day I truly don't know? Where the sun never set, where the trees hung low. By that soft and shining sea Did you respect me for what I did Or for what I didn't do Or for keeping it here Did I lose my mind when I tried to get rid Of everything you see 
So I really I like In the Summertime. Yeah, How so did you feel a, about a check mark for me? There's only yeah. four songs that got check marks. And this, this, one, was one of them. this was one of them. What'd you like about it? Uh, it gave me like really slow early 90s uh, vibes like Hootie and the Blowfish on mm, Quaaludes or like sure. Blues Traveler after he's too drunk to like <laughs> That's a great really get it going. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. definitely see it. Yeah, right? I was like, like has that. Darius Rucker cover this? Because he should. He's on the wagon wheel and stuff, yeah. So he's, and he's got a harmonica. That's what I'm saying. The like unique. the Blues Traveler in this is just. It's, and it's, it's like a there. weird harmonica. It sounds. It's good. Weird. He's using it, I feel like, unconventionally yeah. to him. Yeah. Which is so strange. It's like, it's a harmonica. How much range can it have? But that's that's a discredit on my part. It's a full-ass instrument. That's a full-ass instrument. But I do feel like he's utilizing it differently. Yeah. And it's 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 good. He only played it 28 times. 26 times, sorry. He only played it 26 times total. It's 26 more times than I think he would have played it. The very end of it is very beautiful, which makes me think the rest of the song is probably great. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but no I think ge- being generous, like, I, again, I don't think I would put this on. I don't think this is something like I, I only want to listen to it in the context of the Christian period. But generously, if we, if we love Girl from the North Country, which we love. And Boots of Spanish Leather, which we love. I think that, like, this song, I think, slots kind of into there a little bit. The very last verse, the very last verse, he sings, Strangers, they meddled in our affairs. Poverty and shame were theirs. But all the suffering was not to be compared with the glory that is to be. Obviously, that can be more Jesus-y. But then, and I'm still carrying the gift that you gave. It's part of me now. It's been cherished and and saved. It's been cherished and saved. It'll be with me unto the grave and then unto eternity. It's almost like talking about the boots, sure. like figuratively and metaphorically uh, and literally like this gift you gave to me. Obviously, he's talking about the gift of Christ. Jesus giving us, freeing us from our sins. But but if this were like about somebody, like we know that feeling, like sure. you've yeah. given me something, even just like something that I do or something, how I see the world now. Oh, that's another thing. I'm about taking it forever. Pop Christian music. I feel like with how thin it is for the most part, like no substance, the substance that is there is just like Jesus. There's no getting around it. This has some interpretation to it where you really could take it as like a love. Just also like, just like that. What I just read to you. I'm sorry. The There's beauty. no Christian artist writing even something because oh, this is pretty plain, but like that's better than what yeah. most people can but do like, in, yeah, in so lifetime. Because they're always so, I love Jesus. like, And they all sound real gay, especially when it's like dudes singing it. They're really talking about being in love with Jesus. With like Jesus. that cult right. masturbating to Jesus. Like mm-hmm. Bob does not give me masturbating to Jesus feels. He's talking about love. And sure, he's talking about loving Jesus, but it doesn't, he's not making me think about actually loving Jesus. Yeah. Whereas they're like, I want to suck Jesus's dick. Or they're not dead inside. Basically just repeating right. what they were told to do. Like cattle prodded onto a stage. Well, yeah, cause sing the, like, song. Yeah, sing the song. Sing the song about Jesus. <laughs> like, can I sing property of Jesus? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> sing it good this time. <laughs> and the way that, the way that he delivers it under the music is so earnest and lovely. And, Again, it's just like what you bring to it, right? So if you're if you're bringing just Christian music and you're just listening to the same type of music all the time, then maybe this you wouldn't be able to to care about this. But if you're bringing the rest of Bob Dylan with you into this experience, uh, thankfully we've listened to "Girl from the North Country" and "Boots" because when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's he's nice. talking about the boots. He's talking about poetry. even beyond all of this stuff. He's like, I'm on a different. I'm I'm I've moved on from all of those. Those happened a long time ago, but I still have it. He's like letting you know essentially, hey. That gift you gave, I still have it. And maybe there's a song from Love and Theft or whatever that references another, I still have the gift, right? And it's like, oh, well, obviously he's not doing that on purpose, but like you can start to piece these things together as an arc of one narrator, one person. 
Bob Dylan universe. Bob Dylan feels um, back to Rolling Stone. Let's check back in with Rolling Stone. Kurt Loder asked him, do you still hope for peace? Bob said, there's not going to be any peace. And Kurt said, you don't think it's worth fighting for? Bob said, no. It's just going to be a false peace. You can reload your rifle. And at that moment, you're reloading it. That's peace. It may last a few years. Wow. Real emotions of Jesus right now. I feel sorrow at the ravages of sin and death. Dang. We're having such a good time in the summertime. Kurt Loder from, he's not dead. Not from the grave. Kurt, <laughs> Kurt's fine. In between this, the last sort of major song that you can listen to on the Bootleg series, um, volume one through three, Need a Woman, was recorded in between this time as well. So we will listen to that at some point. And then we go to Dead Man, Dead Man. Yeah. Which I actually have come around because you said you this was one. Mm-hmm. I got a check mark. I got a check mark. Uh, sure. You liked it. It's played 48 times total. Um, it's It's got sax, though. It's, I mean, it definitely sounds it a does. lot different. I think it's like a barrier at tenor sax. something lower. It's Steve register. Steve Douglas from before on the sax. Got keyboards. Got all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. What did you... You said you liked it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to give this a better listen because I... First off, I just hear the reggae stuff and I'm like, nope. Peace out. Yeah, <laughs> but I actually kind of like it. A reggae works. dub vibe, but I took that as like a voodoo Disney villain direction. Like it, or like, you know, the movie Monkey like Bone with, like uh, what's his name? Brendan Fraser. And uh, one of the guys that was in Saturday Night Live. Chris Kattan. Yes. Monkey Bone with Chris Kattan and Brendan Fraser from like the 90s where he goes into an underworld type thing where it's all skeletons and weird shit. Right. Made me totally evocative of that okay. feeling. And like uh, Princess and the Frog, like the villain song from that. Like, sure. Which was great. What yeah. a great time. Or like Oogie Boogie song from Nightmare Before Christmas. Clearly I was in a mood. But I love it. It's just like so much fun because the piano and the organ work really well together. Mm-hmm. And and it's certainly a reggae riff that mm-hmm. is definitely reggae. But like with everything coming together and the gospel singers, it's just like so much fun. Do you have any faith at all? Do you have any love to share? The way that you hold your head Yeah, and they work really well. Yeah, and, and the Bootleg Series Volume 13 has a great, like, seven-minute-long take of this that's, like, kind of extended. I don't think it has sax. Maybe it does. I don't actually fully remember, but I can't wait to listen to the song again, actually, weirdly enough. Nice. I'm glad you Yeah, like, it's not bad. It's just not bad. None of this is bad. And, and like, it could be silly, Dead Man, Dead Man, but I think the way he, Dead Man, and you get that, blah, 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 uh-huh. the, the sax is used so well. It's, it's good. just like barely there. And I, it is a, actually a not bad vocal performance too. Like yeah. Bob is actually like melting it out. It's pretty good. Yeah, Clinton Halen uh, notes the change in tone. So uh, coinciding with him sort of writing the song was that break. So all the songs we talked about before kind of came with rundown sessions. He had been ruminating on them on them for at least a little while. This is a clear break. He's about to go into Clover to record. So in the rethinking, Clinton Halen said that there was a change in tone uh, where Shot of Love, quote, was transformed from an album of disaffected love songs set against the end times into a third installment of his highly judgmental trilogy. He alluded to a change in the conversation with enemies Neil Spencer, uh, suggesting the loss of Angelina and Caribbean Wind has convinced him to make a quite different, more retrograde album. Bob Dylan told a crowd in July about this song dead man dead man is a song about myself i just recall i wrote this song while looking into the the mirror (laughs) there's a lot of good um 
Bible verses as well that, that have been associated with this. So I just want to throw them out here. Romans chapter seven, verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Romans chapter eight, verse 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Ephesians chapter five, verse 14. This is what I said. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I just thought I don't it was know. Easter. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. I was like, oh, it's just coming to life. The lyrics probably are not so simplistic. That's probably why all of these things uh, work. Because I don't think so. I think that we're sort of dead and our waking is essentially when we rise from the dead, our dead lives of living here today, not loving Jesus. And then when we do, Christ will shine his light upon us. Um. Back to Kurt Loder and Rolling Stone, just to update you on this. He asked Bob Dylan, and you don't think that was because of the material you were doing as to why people were sort of like not into him anymore, right? He's obviously, there's a bit of decline in Bob Dylan. You don't think that was because of the material that you were doing. Bob Dylan said, I don't think so. I don't think it had to do with anything. I think when your time is your time, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's either your time or it's not your time. And I don't feel like the fast, the last few years were really my time. But that's no reason for me to make any kind of judgment call on what it's going to be. The people who reacted to my gospel stuff would have reacted that way if I hadn't done, you know, song to Woody. Mm. Kurt Loder, you think so? Bob, yeah, I know it. I can usually anticipate this stuff. What's going on? What's the mood? There's a lot of young performers around. They look good. They move good. And they're saying stuff that is uh, excitable, you know, face it. A lot of stuff is just made and geared for 12-year-old kids. It's like baby food. (laughs) Tell us how you feel, Bob. My feeling from Jesus is exhaustion, though. (laughs) From the demands of ministry. Wow. Yeah. And as we're talking about the industry right there. There you go. And exactly what we're saying. And if you just convert that over to Christian music, it's Mm -hmm. made for babies. Which is very, <laughs> very true. Made I mean, a lot of pop music is made for babies. Sure. Track number eight in our hypothetical shot of love, but really track number nine on the real shot of love. Trouble. 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 Nothing but. Nothing but. Seven times he's played this live. What did you think about this incredibly generic song? I think it makes sense that it came right after Dead Man, Dead Man. Because I think there's a, mm. some of the thematically, it definitely carries over. And like the music even, like yeah. it just seems like a, mm-hmm. a more hopped up <laughs> version of the same stuff. It's like more blues rock, but like come Huey Lewis if he was also on some kind of downer. Oh, I already Lewis. said Quaylude, so let's say, I don't know, Volume. Volume. Okay. Yeah. Huey Lewis on Volume doing blues rock. Clinton Halen said that the May 14th session, one of the last sessions um, that was done uh, with with Chuck at Clover Studios, uh, ma- quote, managed to produce an even more tuneless take of this song, despite the presence of some of the finest players on the block. Predictably, this was the one that Dylan elected to release. So I am I would be shocked if there's a better version. Who is throwing trouble. all this shade? Who's this guy? Clinton Halen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I love the shade. You got to have a, an opinion, right? Oh, totally. I, I don't want to read just... I just, I'm like, damn. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not happy about it. But yeah, I mean, and a lot of his critiques are like, you would choose the one just because Ringo fucking stars on it, but it sucks. You would choose this one. Because, you know, in his head too, and he, he makes this point a lot, 
Bob gets to the end of this stuff. And I think this was the earlier part of him getting to the end of a project and just being like, whatever, whatever. I don't care. Put it together. <laughs> Which I guess I get. I understand oh, yeah. that vibe. Like you're just Well, Jesus done. is already exhausted and we still got, you know, this song and another song to go. We so. got to keep going. Got to keep going. Um, my real life. Well, do I like this song? No, this song sucks. Real life. My emotion of Jesus. My real life emotion of Jesus right now is disgust at the greed, the racism, and the oppression of the poor. Trouble. Trouble. Nothing but. <laughs> Our track number nine, but really track number five, the wonderful Water Down Love. Played 41 times total. Kelly, what's your take on Gotta Water Down my. Love? Gotta check my. Water Down Love. So this one also gave me like a Talking Heads vibe just because it is that up-tempo kind of like funky, which is really cool. The thing that was really jarring about it, though, is the percussion drops out and it feels it does, yeah. really unintentional. I love it, though. Uh, if it were more, I guess, what symmetrical is not the word I'm looking for necessarily. But if it were consistent, then, yeah. then it would feel less like, whoops, <laughs> I so dropped the sticks. I, fuck. I, that actually makes it have more... You know, character. But that's really only my negative about it because I, I really enjoyed it. Just I, I'm a sucker for apparently the up tempo. Uh, so am I. So am I. I think that it's um, it's yeah, heart. It's so good. It's just such a good pop song. Yeah, I also like the song because it's it's like um, throwing the same shade as Property of Jesus, you know, sort of like taking on, you know, basically telling the listener, you want watered down love. That's all you want. You'll never know real love. You just want the fake stuff. Although I do, there's a little bit of idiosyncrasy to you want a watered down love. You want to, is he saying drowned love? You um, want to drown love. You want a watered down love. That's a good question. Oh, I guess that makes total sense. I was like, those are opposite. Yeah, you want to drown. Yeah. Right. Wait, no, yes, that's want, not true. Those yeah, are. Like, you don't want a love that's pure. You want to drown. Love. It's been watered down. Water so down watered down love. that you drown a motherfucker. Yeah. Okay. Or just like in a cup. If a glass was, <laughs> if a glass had pure love in it, you instead have diluted of it. Taking that shot of whiskey, whiskey love, you're taking, you're fucking pouring in, you know, 12 gallons of water to get that down. Gotcha. Watered down love. You drown it in that love. Okay. I was really misunderstanding that before. And now I like it. Yeah. I, I think it's great. I think that it's also pretty damning. It's if you're a Christian or whatever, you can be like, yeah, the secular world does want water. Down Again, love. I only want the love. sexual innuendo. I want Jesus to fill me to the brim with his love. Give me a love. That's pure. So you brought up, um, I don't know how many weddings you've been to, but the most cliche wedding, um, you know, how everybody gives a toast or whatever, or does a little, a little saying. Three? At, Oh, well, you maybe have heard First Corinthians. I mean, what I think they're making fun of with Joey in Friends oh, sure. is the, the famous uh, love is patient, love is kind. It um, does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I so think that, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. And so that's 
everybody grapples with the decision not to do that because that's always the first choice. It's kind of like um, the Web- Webster's Dictionary defines oh, love right, as right. Th- that is akin to this, um, which is kind of wild that it's it, I mean, it's truly a lovely sentiment. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Really nice stuff. But I think that's that's what he's talking about. That lo- love that's pure is sort of that first Corinthians chapter 13. Right in the veins, <laughs> which I think when we talk about it at weddings and stuff, it's kind of like now nah, we're just here to party. Okay. Is it an open bar? Let's right. kind of chill on the. When on do we get to the dancing? The Macarena is calling my name. And we'll absolutely talk about how he stole "Clean Up Woman," the riff from Betty White, uh, some uh, who was like a funk oh. musician. He just took just took a Isn't riff. Betty White, is but, it not Betty White? Um. You, yeah, I think what's her name? Yeah, right. The, Betty that waitress is white. Waitress, that actress has been around forever. She's yeah, in Golden Girls. Is she it? was trending on Twitter right when the coronavirus, like, like right when the NBA was canceled, and like that night that everything got canceled. The NBA got canceled. Um, Tom Hanks said he got coronavirus. Betty White was trending on Twitter because everyone was commenting how the only way that it can get worse is if Betty White died. Because it's been a meme for a long time. Betty White oh, is sure. like unkillable. Still alive, yeah. Right. So everyone was like. And then they add to it when they're like, oh, my God, I saw Betty White was Betty White was trending. She's still alive. At least I hope so or whatever. And just by saying that, it gets it trending. So it was the number one trending Amazing. that night during the coronavirus. Uh, amazing. But she's still around. Betty White. Yes, that's her name. But anyways, there is a different Betty White. The, I mean, it would be incredible <laughs> if it was amazing. the same Betty White. Uh, going back to Rolling Stone, 1984, Bob Dylan also said to a question from Kurt Lohner, about born again Christianity, he said, I've never said that I'm born again. That's just a media term. I don't think I've ever been agnostic. I've always thought there's a superior power, that this is not the real world, and that there is a world to come, that no soul has died. Every soul is alive, either in holiness or in flames. And there's probably a lot of middle ground. My real life emotion of Jesus right now <laughs> is compassion for the lost and the downtrodden. Because water down love, you want to give it. Pure love. That's right. But the lost and the downtrodden are definitely the first to go if it's comes down to the end times. Should have shot up some Jesus. And we've come to it. Track number four. The end of Shot of Love. For, the end of Shot of Love for us. The the song. Is it a song? Lenny Bruce is dead. We covered this in episode 37, season one. I think we we did a lot of Lenny Bruce stuff. I think that was more fun. I remember it being an okay episode because we talked a lot of Lenny Bruce stuff. Oh, yeah, and I like, got to get into the comedy history, and that was really fun. That was really fun. So we really didn't care much about the song. I think at the time I was really negative, um, especially those early ones, and that's probably a little cringy on my part, is like I was just like, ah, the, uh, fuck the Christian stuff, fuck all of it, it has no value. And I was like, oh, thank God we got Lenny Bruce instead of anything else right. on this album. I'm sure I said something like that. And now it's like, what? No, literally anything but Lenny Bruce listening back to it this time. If I don't know what we said before, and I don't want to actually go and listen to it, but like, holy shit, this song is bad. I, I do wonder too, because if my reaction wasn't, what the fuck is this? I don't have anything to say for myself because this is, the, yeah, is this a song? No, this is fucking nutso rambling set to piano. I don't, it's terrible. It's so t- it's so fucking bonkers like i don't understand the man says he didn't cut off any babies heads what is this fucking song it's incomprehensible that somebody let this be on an album like record it if you got to get it out of your no, system that's the thing 
how do you put this on and not fucking like Caribbean wind, Angelina, like literally anything at that slot four spot. Like, and we, you know, we mentioned last time that we bought tickets to see Bob Dylan. Well, he's playing Lenny Bruce. He's pl- he's going to play Lenny Bruce at our concert. Okay. If, if he sticks to the, the schedule that he did, you know, on the last tour. Yeah. So this could be a waste of fucking time. I can't believe I can't the the things that he says in this song. I just like yeah. I, I I don't know. I'm at a loss for words because it's just so bad and ridiculous. And so it, he got defensive about it. I'm, I'm I'm we're gonna retread some of this ground. I know that we talked about it. We laughed about his, his taxi cab ride with him one time. Oh, that's right. Um, and, and I think I rode with him. I think I rode with him. Uh, five miles. It felt like fucking five months. Like what? Okay, whatever. Um, but he got defensive about it, but mainly on the on the precept of this took me five minutes to write. How dare you? And it's like, well, it shows. <laughs> it shows it takes time. Uh, Clint Halen speculates as to like why this song is still around. And I think he's probably right. He says, quote, perhaps Dylan simply remembered the personal satisfaction he felt when a song came to him so easily and effortlessly after months of wrestling with the greater works that got away from him. This was the end. This was the end of the production. He had great cuts of the great songs that we've already talked about. And this was one of the this was one of the last ones he wrote for it. This is one of the last ones that he recorded. Why not? And I think he's right. Instead of getting the good, I'm going to not just give you absence. I'm going to give you worse. Yeah. Not, not on purpose, but like, like it just, there's no way, there's no other way around it. This is a bad, bad song. If you don't listen to him singing, try really hard not to and just focus on the piano. There is certainly like a little bit of a gospel vibe to the piano. Yeah. Like it, it sounds like it could be a church hymnal. The, sure. The, like kind of slow, doom, 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 like the minor chords. Yeah. It, it could be like a devotional song for sure. I think we even said that too. It's like the lyrics or the music is like fine. Yeah. The music is moody and I mean, I would good. skip it. Like it's, it's boring, but like I just, they stamped him and labeled him like they do with pants and shirts. What does that even mean i mean again you're talking about a a comic that like how are you relating him to to jesus how are you trying to like make him a martyr of some kind that to me is like that's the part that i don't understand and maybe again like maybe all the stuff that we researched and looked into it just kind of went in one ear and out the other i don't know but i don't think anybody else is riding for this song and i can safely say like i don't ever want to hear this because it's a song lauding him for being taking down the church, right? Like going after the church. And, but, but in a way, I mean, that's what he stood for. Yeah, yeah free so, absolutely. <laughs> so why is he here? antithetical to the whole, whole thing. I don't understand it. Uh, and it makes me furious. It's yeah. so bad. Which I think is just such a Bob Dylan thing to do. It's so, so my real life emotion of Jesus, anger at yeah. the hypocrisy of the religious. Vitriol, Jesus. Whew. Mad. So post shot of love, this is the end of the trilogy. So we're gonna have to listen to Saved. We're gonna have to listen to Slow Train Coming. Um, I think those ones are a little more polished. Uh, definitely more. Uh, you know, there's a coherency to those albums that I don't think this one necessarily has. Michael Gray sort of sums up what happens right after Shot of Love. He said, "Quote: The year 1982 began with a personal tragedy when Dylan's close and longtime friend Howard Alk, who was the guy who recorded." Um, don't look back. And I think he was still working with him. He like worked on Ronaldo and Clara. Like he, he was there in his life. Uh, he was found dead at rundown studios on new year's day. His death was ruled a suicide. Uh, recent months had seen the deaths of guitarist Mike Bloomfield 
and fellow Christian musician Keith Green, all of whom had worked with Dylan. But it was Alk's death that had marked the end of an era. Dylan would soon dissolve his standing band, and he would not tour again until 1984. Sometime after June 1982, Dylan closed Rundown Studios for Mm. good. So this was definitely like a physical end to what was going on. And then Dylan went back to the block, the blocks of time to go into a studio and try to make something. And Infidels is just a never-ending morass of like a ton of block time for an artist to go in and try to make something. And to try to piece that together, I do not look forward to doing Infidels at any point soon. Although, I do look forward to the, some of the songs on it. We've had a bunch. We've had License to Kill, Joker Man. Oh, that's an Infidels? Um, yes. <laughs> that's how it opens, yeah. I mean, that's... And that and Joker Man was written, like, four songs after Lenny Bruce. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Doesn't his face turn into the moon? That's the video. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, that video is still dope as hell. I love it. Uh, it was also the last album that he was under contract with uh, Columbia. Columbia was not happy... With all of this, like they didn't, they didn't want to fucking advertise it. They wanted him to go a little more, not so. And then he did not have a take. We need to not have a take. No, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna keep doing that. Uh, But despite it all, they signed him up for another another five year contract. He's always been on Columbia. He 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 left briefly after 19. That's 1973. So the Columbia release released the album Dylan, which is Spanish as a loving tongue. They put out a bunch of really bad covers and shit and. Because he left. He went to Geffen Records. So he, I think he recorded Planet Waves on Geffen. And then he was like, nah, I'm going to go back. Hmm. I'm going to go back. I been there. He's been there ever since. So he did have one break with them in the early 70s. But then he's been there ever since. Damn. And he's an institution. Um, yeah, and then the next five are kind of bleak. Infidels, I think, is a great potential album, but did not really become an album. But I think some of his best songs of the 80s are from there. We get Real Live, 1984, which we've heard a couple of, Tangled Up in Blue oh, sure. specifically. Yeah, yeah. I think we just did um, Love Minus Zero. Or that was Budokan. Well, Budokan's coming up as well. Um, Empire Burlesque, of course. Yikes. Uh, Knocked Out Loaded, another yikes. Uh, Down in the Groove, another yikes. So we're going into a very period of uh, noticeable decline i think well, there's no other way to put it luckily for us with the format We're of the podcast not. we don't have to follow that trend no we definitely do not and dylan uh went back to minneapolis and he started hanging out with his son jesse and they started going to performances of new wave and punk bob dylan in this 1982 time he would go and see the clash elvis costello squeeze x and he got together with the plugs, which we'll talk about later. We, we already listened to License to Kill when he played it on the David Letterman show, that punk mm, version of it. Right. And that was like a look into another future that could have been, which I think would have been the 80s would have been a different Bob Dylan if Bob got to indulge in some of the punk fives that even some of the songs on here, you could turn them just up a little faster. And we're ro- we're rolling, baby, yeah. especially and like Foot of Pride to me is like so punk. It's a punk fucking song. Um, does this album work in 2020? With some modifications. I mean, the four tracks that I really liked, I think, are great. Because yeah. they have... But they do all feel dated. All this stuff kind of feels dated. Yeah. So like, even the know. music. So even the the music is... Yeah. yeah I mean, what, what, what would be the thing that people... Like, I can't think of anything. I can think of this being... Even if you're, like, a semi-Bob Dylan fan, I would say... You can't really know Bob Dylan unless you know every grain of sand. I think that's that should be on the first syllabus. I think that Groom Still Waiting at the Altar is a great 
song as well, just for if we're talking, if I was giving a class and we were talking about lyrics, right? But all of this is kind of academic in a way. I think Every Grain of Sand is maybe the only one that I think is like required listening because I, it just fits to all of the rest of Bob. Maybe, but, but it's not for me. It's not fun. No, I'm. but that's, what, what are we talking about? Are we talking about, it doesn't work as an all-timer record or does it does it have if, to be broken up for pieces if you give oh yeah it, you can you as this piece of 10 songs you have to lob some shit off Lenny Bruce you have to take off um <laughs> but but, do, but don't but doesn't somebody need to, uh, someone needs to know that that's a thing right do we shield do we shield the future Bob Dylan listeners of the world from Lenny Bruce is that do we take that and put it deep like microchip it into our bodies and souls and just pretend just white out every single Strike physical copy. Mm. Lenny Bruce is not a song. Can we? If we could do that, I would do that. Yes. I would take the bullet for the future. If, to if not we have had to know. to know it existed, but no one else could know it existed, I don't know. I don't think I could do that because I, I would so need to voice this onto people. I know. Just for the whole sadism of it all. But yeah. um, I think if you gave this album, Sans Lenny Bruce, to the Black Keys, I think it could work. Oh, oh like a different band playing it and yeah. doing... Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some fun covers, too. Yeah. And I would be interested more in the covers for these Christian songs than I think I am for Blowing in the Wind and kind of the big sure. songs because I, I think he, he perfected them. But I I don't know. Maybe, yeah, the songs are, like, strong and Dylan's, like, focus on them is pretty good, like the way that he's sort of seeing it. But he doesn't maybe have the ability to make them. Well, the the bones are all solid. It's all straightforward bones blues are rock. solid, yeah. So, like, you can't, That's a great point. you can't fuck with that, really. Give it to Jack White. Yeah, let him that's go what I'm kind of weird experimental. Yeah, Rackin' kind of. Yeah, I think you could totally. Yes, in that vein, yes. Oh, they could, Dead Man, Dead Man would be pretty, pretty that's good. Good stuff. Oh yeah, and you could bring in like new stuff and. Ooh, okay. So if if we're going, does this work today? In the scope of could a band record these songs today and they would be good? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The bones are good. Yeah. These albums do not have osteoporosis. <laughs> All right, Kelly, we did not, uh, obviously, you listened to uh, this album exclusively this week, almost. Uh, I listened to it a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, But we were also people in the world. So we did not have a playlist, obviously. So we're going to put these songs on our playlist. If you want to listen to Shout of Love, don't don't type Shout of Love into Spotify. Type in Shout of Love, S-O-T-W. Click on our playlist to listen to the album Shout of Love. It's the only (laughs) way to do it. So if you want to listen to it, uh, it, it's going to be ordered in the way that we talked about it on this episode. So don't be skeezed out. There's value. There's value. Is it going to be good? No, because we just made it up on the fly here. And are we going to go back and listen to it after we're done with this episode? No, we're not going to. But it is going to be there. It'll be on our big end of the year whole playlist as well. So you, you will inevitably come across it. But Kelly, we're also people in the world. Did you do anything beyond just, you know, waking up from your coma consuming shot of love directly and we talked about a lot of you know shows and stuff with the virus and everything last week for trust yourself but what else were you doing this this lonely week yeah mostly just just this album uh i did watch book smart again i think i've already talked about it it last year when it came out but it's on hulu right now everything fx is now on hulu like everything i know what the fuck uh so ads all over the place please go watch book smart it's just so fucking funny i did watching it again i was just like ah this is amazing what a great movie um, but yeah, since I wasn't listening to anything else, I took a peek at my old Spotify stats and it gave me some illuminating stuff and some horrifying stuff. Okay. So, uh, my favorite albums, uh, I don't know. They didn't say like from this period to this period or whatever. It just said your favorite albums. Okay. Like, okay, cool. Uh, Joy Division, Unknown Pleasures, solid. 
Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders, makes sense. Neutral Milk Hotel, an airplane over the sea, oh, yeah. yes. Minus the Bear, Highly Refined Pirates, yes. Slater Kinney, Dig Me Out, and Self-Title, self oh, yeah. weird, but yes, yes. Hop along, Painted Shut, fantastic. All these make perfect sense. Ooh. I endorse every single one of those albums. Go listen to them right now. Yes, me too. And then we have... <laughs> Shot of Love. <laughs> what ruined... This podcast has ruined uh, my Spotify statistics. Self-Portrait. <laughs> Dylan and the Dead. <laughs> oh, no. And can you guess what the last one is? Oh, God. It's got to be Empire Burlesque. Empire Burlesque is in my favorite albums because I listened to Trust Yourself 800 times. Oh, no. That's all I have to say. Wait, so this is just on, this is a thing on Spotify? It's on the main homepage. Oh, I didn't know they did like your favorite. I didn't know that either. I mean, I knew they did like, we saw that year end top 10, whatever they talked about uh, at the beginning of the season. But yeah, I was like, what what, what are my favorite albums? I was like, oh, great, great. What? Dylan and the Dead? What? That's truly, truly sad. Oh, yeah, your favorite albums and songs. Painted Shut, Hop Along, Post by Jeff Rosenstock, okay, Victory Lap, Propagandi, Cavalcade by the Flatliners, happy 10 years to that. Uh, the Constant One, Iron Sheik, uh, Idols, Joy is an Act of Resistance. Okay, Life life Without Sound, Cloud Nothings. I've only listened to that a few times. Hmm. Invading Light by the Flatliners, Shapes with, with Me by Against Me, and Supporting Cast by Propagandi. So, propag- why do I keep saying Propagandi? Propagandi. Propagandi. So, no, I don't have I don't have Bob Dylan at all. What? The- I do listen to it mostly on I, my, because I have it all downloaded right. on my phone. So, I do listen that to it. That probably makes a difference. But, yeah, uh. Oh, yeah, and I saw somebody on the Bob Dylan Reddit that had the, the screenshot of their thing. Ah. Like, You're a Bob Dylan, whatever the thing, same old Oh, that's that right. I should mention that. I'm a one percenter. That's right. So. One percenter, top whatever. But yet, my fucking shit, my algorithm has been skewed. Yeah, yours is pretty damning. That sucks. Yeah. I wonder how much you have to listen to. Well, you do you listen to a lot of playlists, though. So you're not actually like, in terms of albums. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You're not, you know, you might hear... But yeah, because you might listen to one artist, right? You've listened to all day. You've listened to gorillas recently. Whoever, yeah, yeah. yeah. But just once through every album, correct? So, but then you listen to Trust Yourself fifteen times. That's already more than any one of those other albums that even have. They only have twelve tracks, right? Right. So then you've already made one song in that album more. Yeah, I guess that just makes sense. So that's that's what's happening right there, which does blow. But Last FM, that's why Last FM is your fr- friend. To like, get the true. To get the true, just to look at, at your last month. What have you been listening to this last month? Because mm. then you can kind of tell. I mean, trust yourself, will be number one. There's no <laughs> doubt. But but again, you listen to playlists, so you're not really listening to songs over again. So yeah. you're going to have a lot of just oneers. But then you're going to have trust yourself like 16. I do need to look more. it up. I will look it up before we, for the. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's smart. That's smart. Um, what did you do, Daniel? I did, just like you. I, I listen to this album a lot, but I also listen to other albums. We've been having crazy a crazy week, crazy couple of weeks. The world's having a crazy couple of weeks. So I just want to throw out a bunch of albums that I've been listening to and I've really enjoyed. Um, I went to go see Mastodon a long time ago at the Roseland. Uh, there was an opening band there called Kvelterak. Kvelertak? Kvelertak? I think they're from... You know, some Nordic country. Um, but they just keep releasing albums that are fucking great. So they're really good, sort of like um, Children of Bodom style, hmm. light black metal. I don't really even know what to call it. Uh, really gray fun. Metal. <laughs> gray metal. <laughs> and uh, really great guitar work. Just fantastic. Um, I There's a band called The Mares. Uh, they're like a post 
punk band, like a weird kind of like new wavy, no wave. Sure. But it's, it's pretty good. Carolyn Rose, who was just on our playlist um, for Cry, um, she released a new album called Superstar. And it's really good. Um, and also Warriors came out with a new album called You or Someone You Know. That's really great. And then R.I.P. to McCoy Tyner, who played piano with John Coltrane, played on My Favorite Things and a Love Supreme and all of his early 60s stuff before John Coltrane went off and kind of became Space God, you know, doing stuff. He was like, I don't understand that. So I'm going to stop playing with John Coltrane. Uh, but yeah, he just, he stuck only to physical pianos. He was not into uh, the electronicness. He wasn't into like where that was kind of going with uh, what Coltrane was doing. So he just stuck to it. And uh, yeah, he just passed away, unfortunately. So, but um, yeah, listen to that. Real McCoy, 1967, really good. All right, Kelly, that was our first foray into Bob Dylan's Christian period. Uh, we've had Lenny Bruce, which didn't really count. So we got to listen to that again. So that was fun. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, the episode speaks for itself, really. Uh, it's going to be fine. That's right. That's the message. It's going to be just fine. 393 songs left, Kelly. What you got? 197. Wow. Random.org. Confidence. I'm busy. This was a big week of Jesus. I know. I got places to be. It was a lot of Jesus. We was talking about Jesus the whole time, right? Maybe. Ooh. You said 197, right? Mm-hmm. All right. 197 in a different world could have taken us from this to something worse. Oh. So not too bad. Not too bad. But we're not going down there. Had a dream about you, baby. Off of 1988's Down in the Groove. Which is another... We've only listened to Shenandoah, which I got during our slip and slide fun time into summer. Mm-hmm. That was the start of our slip and slide right. fun time into summer. Right. Fun lazy river. Fun time lazy river down yeah, in the summer. We haven't done anything fun like that. It's the middle of the winter, so I don't think we want to be in... No. I mean, it's coming up on spring. We could we could sled? We, we could... It's too late for snow. Sled it's sled into... Snow. I mean, it's almost April. Yeah, that's I, true. I mean, it does snow in the mountains, I guess. Mm-hmm. If we're imagining this uh, lazy river log flume sitch, oh. like emanating from the mountains, like its source is high up in the Cascades. Yes. Then sure. <laughs> Look what Jesus did to us. <laughs> One out of three ninety-three. That's not right. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. Random.org says two hundred and forty-six. That's right. I don't have the random.org confidence the way that you have the random.org confidence. Clearly. But I've got the sponsorship deal, so. Okay, still, still not, not true. true. Um, will it into existence, baby? What do you know about hobos? See, you could have <laughs> put hobo God. on your list. Another good one. We got a couple more hobo songs, but I think it's okay to go from Shot of Love to the OG hobo. The OG hobo, Jesus. Oh, man, no. So we're going to only a hobo. 
off of the Bootleg series, Volume 1 through 3. Which is also about Jesus. No, not at all. Okay. Well, I mean, it could be if you, you want that, to. So this was a Daniel original. Oh, yeah. If you want Jesus, Jesus. to be the original, original hobo, hobo, then only a hobo could be talking about Jesus. I don't know. Okay. It's a great song. So we're going to go to Only a Hobo for episode 108. Kelly. Uh, yeah. He's only a hobo. Only. Okay, bye. As I was out walking on the corner one day I spied an old hobo in the doorway he lay His face was all grounded in the cold sidewalk floor And I guess he'd been there for the whole night or more Oh, 